Sunday, Betfair Edge. Play your way on the Queensland Summer Racing Carnival with back and lay bets at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Happy Sunday morning, everyone. Welcome along to the second edition of the Betfair Edge for the year 2023. Damien Watson here filling in for Miles Fitzner this morning. We're here thanks to Betfair. Find better odds on the Big Bash at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Plenty going on in a sporting and racing sense, both domestically and internationally. And joining me, once again, direct from the Gold Coast is Tommy Haylock. It seems whenever I'm on with Tommy, he's up in the northern part of the country. So maybe I'm a good luck charm for him. How are you, Tommy? Great to be with you. Yes, um, a big couple of days. Went to the Wave in the Gold Coast yesterday. Big day. And, um, yeah, Sunday morning. I'm not as fresh as sometimes I, I am usually. But Miles um, <laughs> has obviously got a... Uh, not here, so big shoes to fill, mate, but I'm um, looking forward to spending the next hour with you. We've got plenty to cover. We might have a chat with Blair Gibson coming up, talk to him about the wave and the Magic Millions next weekend as well. But, um, yeah, live from the Gold Coast studio up here, and uh, it's all happening. It's beautiful weather and flying. Well, last time I was on with you, Tommy, I think it was back in August, and you were up in Darwin for the Darwin Cup, a sensational event, as we know. Uh, how many interstate trips do you go on? It seems like uh, you're the traveller for Betfair <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> There's a few of us, but we've got clients around Australia and um, we like to get around and Betfair is built on community and education and um, we do get around to a lot of our clients. We have functions up. Warrnambool is a big one, Warrnambool Carnival. We've got Darwin Cup obviously is is fantastic up there um, in August as well. Magic Millions is one of my favourites. Great to be up here for Magic Millions. So I do probably three or four and um, try and get around to, to Tasmania. We've got a couple of clients up there, so down there. And, um, yeah, it's one of the perks of the job. But it's not always uh, pleasure. It's it's a lot of work up here. We'll be pretty busy. Uh, no doubt about that. Do you find it's getting bigger each time you go up there? I find it's getting bigger and bigger each year, the Magic Millions. It used to be probably over a decade ago a meeting to prop up the sales, essentially. We've got the yearling sales coming up. But... The race day in itself on the Saturday next week, it gets bigger and bigger each year, doesn't it? The prize money's massive and you know, everyone's up there. Yeah, spot on. Uh, it is it is like schoolies for racing people. <laughs> um, everyone's up here and it's a great place to network and actually talk to a lot of people and a lot of clients come up here as well from interstate. The, the thing that I've been impressed with is the wave race day. It's going from strength to strength. Really good crowd yesterday. They've implemented that, the Gold Coast Turf Club, and we've seen – in the past, two-year-olds, Godolphin had one a few years ago, um, back up as well from this and win the Magic Millions two-year-old race. And it's a really good meeting. And it's probably – I don't actually go to the races on Magic Millions Day. We host some clients um, along and it gets pretty hot on the day, so we do our own thing. But um, it's a great day for me to come up here and, and see a few clients and actually just enjoy a day at the races. It's a bit quieter than Millions Day and the whole week. We've got the polo on today. We've got the sale starting Tuesday. It's a phenomenal week. So if anyone's ever thought about coming up, I strongly advise or recommend it. It's a brilliant week. All right, sensational. Hopefully the weather holds out for the remainder of the week and it's not too stormy like it's been in Sydney at the moment. That's a nice little segue, actually. We'll touch on the racing in a few moments' time, but it's time now for our Lay of the Week segment and the lay bin. There it is. All right, what's your lay of the day, Tommy? Oh, I had a... I had... um, We've got plenty of lays. Don't worry about that. Plenty to go on the lay bin this year. Now... Okay. Tennis, I spoke to Steve Quick and we did a show for Australian Open. Not tennis. Your lay-bin might be for tennis, but 
I talked to him on Thursday and we recorded a show for Australian Open, but I was pretty fired up about what was happening in the test cricket, mate. Now, first day, day one, 2.30 in January in Sydney, and they've gone off because of bad light. And the lights are on. We've got floodlights on at the SCG. It's 2.30 in the middle of summer, and we're going off because of bad light. Oh. Come on, guys. We need to play. We need to move the dial and think about the viewers and the fans and the money. People go and pay good money to watch test cricket, and they're going off because of bad light at 2.30 just for a bit of cloud. We need to harden up, need to entertain, and we need to play cricket. Don't go off, and especially when it's drizzling. I'm sick of it. We need to think of the viewers. Thoroughly agree with you, Tommy. What are your thoughts about moving the test match to a different part of the calendar? I'm probably against that, even though I know it seems to rain up there at that time of year, early January in Sydney. But at the same time, it's a traditional thing. And at the end of the day, I think it's really only happened, it seems, over the last five to ten years. It seems like that January to April period, when they have their big race days in Sydney, all the big sporting events outside of State of Origin and the big NRL events, they all seem to be in the early months of the year. And it's when it's absolutely pouring down with inclement weather. Strange. Don't know, don't know if you've realised, but it rains most days in Sydney. So really, uh, well, they've had record rainfall last <laughs> last year. They had, I think, the most rain on record in 160 odd years up in Sydney. It's just constant rain at the moment. Um, at least we're getting a full day's play potentially on day five of the test. But I, I would prefer the test match to be on the second or the third, not wait to the fourth. Keep the momentum. Um, I'd much rather that. We had, funnily enough, the second and the third had beautiful days, and then um, the test match started and it started raining. So it's like the autumn carnival uh, and the championships up there. Every Friday night, we suddenly get a storm and it pours, and we're on heavy tracks for 70% of the year. So um, little Sydney weather, we've put it in the lay-bin all year last year, and it'd probably go there again. But, um, yeah, I'd prefer the test on the second or the third. What about you? Yeah, I agree. The second for me. It always used to be as a child – the 2nd of January, you'd sit down and watch the cricket at the SCG. It's just, it was just part of the lexicon in the summer. So, yeah, I don't understand why they wait till the 4th. Maybe they want to try and capitalise on the momentum of cricket in the sense that they put a few big big bash fixtures. And in a sense, it's worked. There's a lot of discussion, which we'll talk about in a moment, with the man cad and Michael Deese's catch slash non-catch over the boundary, etc. Yes, looking forward to talking about that. Probably a few lay-bins there, to be honest, don't we? <laughs> That's right. You're not in favour of moving the test match, though, are you, uh, to a different time of year? No, because it rains no matter when in yeah. Sydney. When there's a big sporting event, it, it'll rain anyway. Um, <laughs> you'd think it should be dry at the start of January, but don't come off a bad light at 2.30. I agree Just with you there. let the players play. You reckon uh, Kawaja had any issues seeing the ball? I, I wouldn't have thought so. He was flying. He was fine. One of those OH&S things, maybe people are a bit more conservative with the way they run things these days. But, yeah. It I mean, didn't look dangerous. Sometimes common sense has to prevail, doesn't it? Correct. View. Entertain. It didn't look dangerous. I would have rather South Africa bowl the spinners, to be honest. I'm not sure why they didn't bowl the spinners when they got asked that question, too. Maybe they were hoping for a draw. Maybe it <laughs> maybe it panned <laughs> out okay for them. But, um, yeah, just play cricket, guys. Harden up. All right. My lay of the day slash week also has to relate to scheduling somewhat. It relates to the tennis. Look, I like the sentiment behind the United Cup, but I'm a bit of a traditionalist, Tommy, in general. And Mm -hmm. why we have the United Cup where I think it's a little bit difficult for people to follow in the sense that, yes, you got the national representation, but that was always associated with the Hopman Cup. Now it's all intertwined with Brisbane, Perth and Sydney, you lose that edge. I think a lot of people pay good money to go to those lead-up events before the Australian Open. It loses its identity somewhat in each of those respective states, and it all becomes one. And 
I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I like having the separated identity when it comes to the lead-up events at the Australian Open. So I'm not a massive fan of the United Cup. And, you know, a lot of the big stars, some of them haven't even bothered to, to really play in any of them. It's funny. I reckon the Adelaide International, which had dwindled a bit for a while, because it's now its own entity somewhat, it's actually come back and received a bit more publicity, whereas it was sort of on its death knell somewhat probably 10 years ago. So I reckon why complicate things? Just keep the traditional identity. Why change things that aren't broken? Yeah, we had Steve Quick on um, a show, Betfair, uh, Layback with Betfair on Thursday, and he was on Friday Betfair Edge as well, Damo, and he said the same thing. I mean, we've got this this tournament and people have paid good money and then we ended up with dead rubbers like Nadal got beaten obviously and – they people have paid good money to come out and watch these good players, and they've been rested. So it's it's an interesting one with these dead rubbers. They're not going to play and, and wait. Like Nadal's not going to play in a dead rubber. So the whole format they've restructured it. It probably needs a bit of work, but um, it has been a bit of a bit of a letdown, I think. But I used to, as a kid, I remember watching with my grandfather the Hotman Cup in late December, and and that was the traditional thing. You watched the Hotman Cup. There was that national representation, and then you moved on to Brisbane and Sydney, the Brisbane International, Sydney International, etc. I just don't understand why you have to build them all together, in my view, anyway. So, yeah, don't fix what ain't broken, in my view. Yes, that's fair enough. There's too much of that now. There's too much of this, oh, we've got to change things for the sake of change. Some things are just good the way they are. Maybe I sound like an old man, even though I'm 28, Tommy. That's what the the lay bin's for, mate. We're all here to fire up. I'll tell you what, you make a good point because – there's been a couple of things I've noticed even from Gold Coast last year when I was up here that yeah. we loved. My mates and I have loved and we've come up and gone to certain places and they've changed things and they're not as good. So they're good. Don't fix what's not broken. Well, in the nightclub sense or just in the general? Oh, there was a, a venue we were at. <laughs> there was a venue we were at. It's uh, the races on Wave Day that wasn't open this year. There was a beautiful food truck that wasn't there this year and just stuff like that. You've okay. got good, good things. Keep it consistent. Oh, no, right. what's good? Uh, are you going to go for a swim at all during the week? By the way, take advantage. I'll be, of the... I'll be swimming. Yes, for sure. I went for a couple of swims yesterday. Put the budgies on, actually. Really? Um, yeah, I'm not You're a budgie, a budgie op- smuggler. I'm, well, I'm not a budgie operator. <laughs> I'm not a budgie operator. A client actually gave me a great pair of uh, budgies, and I thought I'd run them for a, a something different. They're bright pink, and right. it's not something I would do often. And I made sure not many people were down the beach when I just took the shorts off and got them out. So, um, yeah, not not pretty. But uh, I'll wear the shorts in future. I'll make you feel better. I still wear a rashy. No. Yes. That's in the lay bin. <laughs> Come on. You don't, do you? Yeah, I do. Got to protect <laughs> your skin. I, I have very bad skin, so I get burnt like a crisp. And, yeah, when uh, I had a few little things removed, I started to get a bit paranoid. So I still Oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Lather up. Wear your sunscreen. We've got a few more. I don't know. We'll have to um, go for a break soon, I reckon, Damo. But we've got a bit more for the lay-bin. I want to touch on a um, cricket tweet from Dean Watling, who's one of SEN's own. Um, he mentioned declaring Kawaja on 195 and whether that's in the lay-bin. So we can touch Ooh. on that as well. Oh, divided opinions, this. We'll throw it out to the listeners. If you want to throw something in the lay-bin, 0499736736, feel free to text it in. We'll discuss the Kawaja thing on the other side, and we'll also discuss racing. You're listening to the Betfair Edge. You can find better racing odds on the Queensland Summer Racing Carnival at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858 if you have any issues. Damien Watson and Tommy Haylock with you on this Sunday morning. Sunday, Betfair Edge. 
Play your way on the Queensland Summer Racing Carnival with back and lay bets at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Hope you're enjoying the Betfair Edge on this Sunday morning. Dobie Watson and Tommy Haylock with you. A few text messages coming through. Anonymous here. Do you wear a rashy demo and also wear floaties? No, you can leave the floaties. Pick it out. <laughs> <laughs> No, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll have it in mind when I go to the Gold Coast next. Jace from Rural Bark's listening in and enjoying the show. Thank you, Jace. And Big Fella says, morning, guys. Terrible day and night on the punt yesterday. Took the early bets on Olentia for Magic Millions. So that will be gone as well, I presume, after yesterday's run. To top off the night, the favourite who could not be beaten at Bendigo in the last got rolled in the trots. It was Bendigo Cup night in the trots last night. Put me in the lay bib for betting terribly yesterday. Can't really put yourself in the lay bin. It happens, doesn't it, sometimes? Oh, you can put yourself in the lay bin. I've done that a few times. (laughs) It's called for occasionally, Damo. Well, that's true. All right. Got to take a good hard look at yourself occasionally. (laughs) A man who never puts himself in the lay bin because he's that good is Queensland formatalist Blair Gibson. He joins us on the line ahead of a big week up on the Gold Coast. How are you, Blair? Good, Damo. Good, mate. Yes, run into Tommy yesterday and... He said, you know, things to bring to the Gold Coast. He said he brought his song. And I said, don't you mean songs? And he just said no. <laughs> well, apparently he wore a thong yesterday. Or well, Actually, that's, that's separate. <laughs> Hang on, guys. <laughs> Correct. Come on. How are you, Kimo? Right. You well, mate? Yes, good, mate. Good. Good. We won a bit more money from yesterday, but um, it was a good day out there and uh, all well. Let's let's talk about yesterday. Obviously, we had uh, a couple of two-year-old races. Nothing really put their hand up ahead of the two-year-old uh, Magic Millions on Saturday? No. No, I wouldn't have thought so. It's usually a really good point to um, these two-year-old races on wave day. But, yeah, didn't really work out this way this time. Um, a couple of key scratchings uh, in the Gold Pearl, which sort of, sort of weakened that race. And, yeah, no, I, I just don't think they sort of stood up yesterday enough to sort of think that they'll be, even though it's not a, a great two-year-old year, I don't think. Um, I don't think, though, the winner will come out of yesterday. What um, what did you make of the day as a whole? I, I said earlier in the segment of Damo that the wave day continues to grow. It seems like the week just gets bigger and bigger, and Damo made that point as well. The Magic Millions race day itself is huge. The wave's been a, a, hu- a, well, a great addition to the week. Oh, Tommy, it's been a few years now, and it has got better every year, and I've said it, not just because I'm involved up here. It's the best new race day in the Queensland calendar anyway. It's just the perfect time of year. You've still got a lot of people on holidays, um, and you can just make a week of it. You know, you can come to the Wave and then go to the Millions. But it's uh, I'm, I'm sure they were happy with the crowd yesterday, but as you said, it continues to build. And, well, the races are worth a, a bit of money, so I'm sure the trainers will continue to come up. And sort of the fields are getting better each year, which is important as well. Let's just recap the Wave itself. Um Obviously, a well-fancied winner of the race. Did you find it? What do you make of the, the race itself? No, I didn't. Um, I didn't find it. And I, look, I thought the race was okay, Tommy. Um, probably, it is a weird sort of setup. the race, with the sort of weight parade scale, and um, not too sure what to make of it. But, I mean, take nothing away from the winner. He deserved to be there. Head of State was the one I was keen on, and, gee, I thought he was the winner on the corner, but he just... Just died on the run sort of at the 200. Uh, he obviously needed that. Um, one that's been running really well, and she went really good again yesterday, was Tyressa. She's well-bred, and she's just been taking on the boys and giving away weight in the three-year-olds and then got to this race. It was really good, and this is sort of a step-out in trip, so she was that good through the line. 
she might have a win in store soon, Tyressa, over the sort of 1,800, 2,000, because she, she was the one just smashing the line late, which means she might even want further. Um, we saw in race nine, we'll talk about some data at Betfair, obviously. We're, we're big on our data and our education, but Bold Warrior, Betfair starting price of $19.54, Gibbo, but amazingly hit $110 in play and got the chocolates. So a huge um, in-play price there from Bold Warrior to finish the day. The fence and the track, Gibbo, you speak to Navesh Ramdani, had a bit of a tough ask heading into the races uh, on Saturday. He's got to back it up, obviously, but seemed very leaderish and fence-ish, which is a little bit different to what we can find at the Gold Coast. Are we expecting a fair track on Saturday? And what did you make of yesterday? Really surprised at how exactly how sort of firm and sort of to the front. It definitely was it was favouring those in the first half and, and possibly the first sort of three pairs. Um, and it was a massive surprise because <laughs> leading into it, everyone was concerned that maybe, you know, they'd come down the outside. Lots of these jocks, when they come up to Sydney and Melbourne jocks, they just want to get to the middle anyway. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a surprise. It, it, he obviously did a good job to, to make that not happen. But, I mean, we got 16 mil Wednesday night, 7 mil Thursday night. And I think it was a soft track, soft seven, I think, Friday. And we've got to, they're running sort of one eight, one eight something on Saturday. So I'm not sure. Queensland weather, it can be hard, Tommy, whether you put too much water on because you can get a storm mm. up here and get 25 mils when they predict, you know, nothing. So I'm sure it'll be, he'll have a tip top for next week. Um, yeah, just, I just, ex- I'm expecting that they didn't um, think that it would dry out that quickly. So. He's the best in the business, Avesh. I think it'll be perfect next week. You have a bet yesterday, Damo. Have a winner. Anything you like on Saturday, Damo? Two-year-old race? Oh, look, it was a tough day yesterday. There's no doubt about that. I, I was. It was interesting. I obviously had more of a go at Sandow because I did a fair amount of uh, form for that. But in terms of the wave, I find, found that very difficult to read in the end. Deficit ended up getting the job done. I was with Ashgrove. And it just fell short in the end. I thought it was a decent chance. Tyreza, of course, coming into third. I just thought with Ryan Maloney on board, Ashgrove would have a chance. I think it started on the market at around about $5. Uh, gallant enough, but uh, just couldn't quite get in there. So that was my best bet of the day uh, on the Gold Coast, and it just fell short. And I think a lot of punters would <laughs> be in the same boat, wouldn't they? True. There are a lot of short price favourites, especially at Sandown. They got beaten. We'll touch on some data later. Gibbo, two-year-old race coming up on the 14th of January, Saturday. We've got Emperor of Japan, favourite at Betfair.com to you from Sovereign Fund, Platinum Jubilee in the mix at uh, a price and an infatuation as well. Um, you got an opinion on the two-year-old race to start off? Yeah, I do. Um, I really like Empress of Wonder. I've liked, I've liked her from the first time I've seen her. I've liked every trial. I've liked every run. And I'm really surprised she's on the fifth and sixth line of betting here. As we mentioned before, I don't think it's a... I don't think there's been any standouts, and to me, she's the one. I um, really important for her is to draw a gate. She obviously doesn't. If she draws poorly, she will be really wide or have to go all the way back. If she draws a gate, she could probably land in the first six or seven. So, if she draws a gate, I think she should be a clear favourite. I'm I'm very keen on her, but it does come down to that barrier. What happened to her? Obviously, she ran second at short price favourite last start in the listed Callaway Gal at Eagle Farm. Just too far back there. Yeah. Yep, sectionals were sensational. Just um, Schofield, just uh, not good early. Just sort of too negative. Got to a bad spot and then could not have done much more um, off the clock from what she did. So 
think it was a good little pipe opener. They obviously haven't wanted to run since. They wanted to go in fresh since that, and they it was a risk. <laughs> Come down to yesterday, pretty much knowing who will get in and who won't. But they look like they've pulled the right rein, so I'm, I'm happy about that as well. Head to betfair.com.au in the anti-post markets there. The three-year-old yellow brick um, looks like starting favourite at the moment from Junquira, Russian Conquest, Hell I Am. Anything you can steer the uh, players or the punters into early, Gibbo? Well, I reckon this one's this one's a lot harder for me. Um, I do have a lot of time for yellow brick. He won the king of the mountain. He's a, a really nice horse. He's one of them ones that just could be one out of the box. We're learning about him every time he steps out and he just keeps winning. Um probably get a guide off you hell i am what's what's i don't know a heck a lot about the horse tommy but i do hear a few raps is it a chance oh, yeah very nice horse with plenty of upside as you'd expect being a three-year-old gelding by hellbent but um he was good in the gosford guineas last start he was started favorite there he's good at wyong um obviously winning that in, in dominant style i've got a lot of time for the horse and it's hard. That's a, probably a trick, Gibbo, how you line up these races. Some of them have more Sydney runners and Queensland runners, to be honest. So it is hard at this time of year tossing up and, and working out how they marry up. Yeah, I think I'd, if it come down to it, I'd be leaning to the Sydney form at the moment. I just think a lot of the horses going around up here, a lot of our local Queenslanders, it's just a, a flat sort of bunch at the moment. I don't think there's too many. We've got a few different sort of three-year-olds like that yellow brick, but... The older horses are, are all pretty plain. There is one, actually, Tommy, if I can just give you one more on the day. Just Go to, for it, mate. To keep an eye on. Uh, in the, the QTIS race, the Queensland horses is only up here, and it's actually going to turn into a pretty decent race. But Tokariki Lad uh, was always a bit of a nutcase. He's tried biting horses in... There's been a couple <laughs> of photo finishes. He's tried to bite horses. He's a lunatic. But he always took a, a few runs to come good. And last prep, Tony Gollan just had him absolutely airborne. And from the first start, he, he was good. This time in, he's had a nice trial. He was just a nice, sneaky run first up behind him, and he'll go into this second up, still fresh enough for the 1300. I, he's one that I think can can run a race for sure in the QTIS. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Damo, you should have seen this man just swanning around in his suit yesterday at the track. He just brought his Sharpie. Everyone was approaching him. It was big man <laughs> about time. It's his week to shine. Oh, Gibbo. Uh... <laughs> yeah, please. Please. <laughs> What's, when, when it's the warmer weather, Blair, what's the fashion tip for you? Are you, are you the type? You're not one of those people that wears the sockless ensemble. He's, no, been, no. Known to, he's been known to wear the sockless. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Done, I have done it once, but I, I, I cop that much. I, I'm not one to go out and, <laughs> and spend too much money on fashion, demo, to be honest. It's whatever I've got. And at the moment, I'm telling you, I'm not fitting into many of them. Uh, not feeling real good about myself. <laughs> Uh, Big summer. (laughs) Good on you, Blair. Thanks very much for joining us and giving up your time on this Sunday, mate. Enjoy the week ahead. Are you going to go to the yearling sales and ultimately peruse around with certain key figures in the industry? Yeah, is there anyone you're keen on talking to? No, no, not really. No, I'm a homebody. Um, Like the Olympic flame, I don't go out. So I just will be (laughs) home doing work, trying to help everyone find a winner. That's me. Uh, all right. Well, you, you work for us in the end, Blair. No, I appreciate that. Thanks very much. All the best. <laughs> no, no worries at all. Thanks, boys. Blair Gibson, joining us there, Queensland form analyst. We'll head to the news. Back with more. We might touch on the racing yesterday, not only on the Gold Coast, but elsewhere. It was a difficult day on the punt, and we'll touch on cricket as well within the next half hour. You're listening to the Bet Fair Edge on this Sunday morning. Back with more after the news.
Big welcome back to the Betfair Edge on this Sunday morning. We're, of course, here for Betfair. Find better odds on the Big Bash at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858 if you have any issues. Damien Watson and Tommy Haylock with you. Before we move on to yesterday's racing and review, what was a difficult day on the tip, Sean has texted in. G'day, boys. Would you happen to know if the SEN crew will be at Flemington next week or will they be around for the Magic Millions? I'm flying over from Perth to Melbourne with the missus for the weekend and would love to catch up with the tagster, says Sean from Perth. I don't know. I don't think they're going to be on the track necessarily uh, from a Melbourne point of view, but they'll probably be around the studio, Sean. There's no doubt. Uh, tags will be in fine form. Cal off the SMS says, lads, keep an eye out for the obituaries this week for Mick D after he slaughtered Ivan's hero and my $8,000 multi in the bin. Oh, playing that for sure. <laughs> playing that for sure. Yes, uh, I don't know about tags. He, he might be a bit like Gibbo, a bit of a homebody. He won't get, won't get to Flemington, would he? Uh, oh, I don't think he minds. He can get a bit overwhelmed with the uh, publicity, the tags. But <laughs> spring carnival time, he does go around the tracks. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I think elsewhere, he'll, he'll be happy to go to the studio. Jim from Mafra has texted him, Morning, Damo. How many days have you worked in a row? I'm laying your social life on its current trajectory. I wouldn't be the only one. But, yeah, sixth day in a row, Jim. Thank you very much. But I did go out last night, so I had a little bit of a social life at the very least. Uh, Time to talk racing from yesterday, Tommy. A difficult day, not only on the Gold Coast for the punters out there, but also at Rose Hill. We had a heavy track that obviously affected the nature of what transpired yesterday. How did you go? Because I know you like your Sydney form. Yeah, it did all the Sydney form, and um, it was a tricky day. Uh, I think around the country we saw some short price favourites get beaten um, a lot, and Sandown was one of those. Yep. We saw some sick beats in Sandown, and um, the results showed that. I'm just getting the bad beats up because we had the favourite at Sandown in race five, inundation, traded as low as a dollar oh three, loomed up like it was home, and found one better as Sosie Bond, uh, I think it was, or it was a different race. But um, inundation loomed up and looked like it was going to win, and then just found the one better and as amazing on the lead um, that was. Came through and, and won along the inside and just kicked back strongly. But that was a sick beat. Sydney, we saw some sick beats as well. Frumos somehow got the chocolates in that photo. Saigon traded again as low as $1.03 on betfair.com.au in play. Loomed up and Frumos just, I, I still to this day don't know how Frumos got that photo, but you'd be sick <laughs> if you back Saigon, especially at the shorts, $1.03, as low as that um, was $12 in play and a BSP of $6.08. So you'd be pretty disappointed if you back Saigon there. But yeah, a lot of shorties got rolled yesterday. And um, I don't know how you fared, but I was with a few people on track that were struggling. Um, a lot of favourites around second, a lot of short price favourites went down across the country, not just in um, the metro tracks. So tough day for the punters, mate. No doubt about that. Yeah, I had a bit of a difficult day on the punt. Sandown wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, at least personally. I did get a couple of winners there, but ultimately you go elsewhere. The Gold Coast was a bit of a difficult one for me. And obviously, Sydney, it is a little bit difficult when you look at the heavy track, and that obviously affects the nature of the racing itself. But Sandown yesterday, I managed to get a couple of winners in the end. I know it was a bit of a difficult day there as well. I didn't mind Bistro in the first and got that one up for the Freedman camp. That so significant drift. Yeah. Significant drift, drift, Bistro, which was obviously not telling. Sometimes the, the drift is, and they always post-race and say they knew, but they definitely didn't know at betfair.com.au with that winner because that drifted heavily and, and 
particularly late, and it probably just kept going. Then we saw race two, Detonator Jack. That was the one I was talking about. Got beaten it by Sosie Bond. Um, Detonator Jack loomed up and looked like it was going to win. BSP very short and just one of the few, probably the first shorty to go down of a, yeah. a huge number. No doubt about that. The other winner I had was River Plate in the Roderick Bowman. I thought it was a good ride from Damien Oliver. Trent Busted was... It was interesting. I listened to Trent Busseter during the week. He didn't have a lot of conviction about how River Plate would go. So that made me have second thoughts about the yeah. chances of River Plate when the the trainer himself is not overly happy with the way it's preparing. And it ended up winning in the end. And that was a race which was relatively open. Tasman Park was back. The New Zealand delayed. It ended up finishing third. And there was a bit of money coming late for Independent Road as well, I noticed, on a couple of markets. It started in the morning at around 7.50, the win, 2.50 the place, and it finished fourth in the end. So, again, I had to defy the negativity there, and it got up. Yes. Um, not much for me in Sydney. The, my best passageada won well. Really nice, speedy um, Philly passageada. Race three, Um Got a bit of shades of Rose about Passagiata. She's a nice filly on the way up. She's, gee, she's got a lot of speed and a uh, good ride by Rachel King. Just string them along and proved very hard to run down naturally. Frumos, as I said, finally broke through. Started short price odds on in four consecutive runs and only the one placing and needed that win. If uh, Frumos didn't win, if she didn't get that photo, <laughs> they would have come <laughs> for the clouds for her. They would have been furious. Brunelli was my um, second best bet of the day, and that was a nice result for me leading throughout. So got something out of that, but um, tough day all around. Pretty leadership at Rose Hill too, to be honest, Damo. That's right. Now, with Perth, that was an interesting one. I had a bit of a play towards the back end of the card there. Kerbin Rock, the favourite in what was an open race, won the last. Uh, Holly Watson actually had a pretty good day uh, with a couple of winners. And Clint Johnston-Porter, how about him? He has been going absolutely sensationally. Yeah, I think he got five at the end. He got premium choice over the line. There was Sentimental Hero as well, Category 3. He just had an absolute day out. Do you think he's somewhat underrated? We talk about William Pike whenever he goes back to WA. He's the main man. Brad Rewilla, who's come from Victoria, so he has that East Coast profile. But Clint Johnston-Porter, do you think he's underrated in the national sense? Uh, it's hard in the national sense. We saw Pikey come, obviously, as a dominant dominant force in WA, but we saw him come to Sydney and probably struggle a little bit Correct. in Sydney. So it's really hard to, to marry these jockeys up across the border, and it comes down to opportunities as well. No doubt he's a good jockey and – Took the most of his opportunity yesterday with Pikey riding in Queensland. So um, congratulations to him. Superb effort. Um, just on jockeys, we see these apprentices in Sydney. Um, Zach Lloyd and um, Tyler Schiller, they're high up in the premiership market as well. Um, premiership market, premiership uh, standings. I think they're second and third and another apprentice in fifth. So the apprenticeship apprentices in Sydney and New South Wales at the moment are airborne. We've got some really good jockeys on the way through. No doubt about that, and that's always the case. But I think you're right. It's it's not necessarily a golden era, mid-90s crop coming through, but it's still a very good crop. There's no doubt about that. I uh, think that the thing, the old boys in Sydney as well, are not going to be around forever. We see these with the Bowmans and even Oliver in Melbourne. They're not going to be around forever. So it is good to see some young, youthful jockeys on the way up. Got a couple of text messages we'll get to now just before the ad break here, Tommy, for you. Uh, John says, what about the debacle at Werribee Race 1? Has fixed odds on the favourite $2.15, moosed into $1.70 and was going to win the race, but it was abandoned due to the barriers being left on the Yes, track. I heard this. Um, I didn't actually see the race. <laughs> I didn't see the race, but my mate was watching it on the phone next to me. And uh, it doesn't happen all that often. It's 
akin to obviously the devastating scenes at uh, in the Perth Cup where the race mm. gets called off mid-race. Um, yeah, you'd be pretty unlucky and not happy. Put that in the lay bin if you bet the favourite there and look like it was going to win. Um, bad luck. All right, and Josh says, I had a fill-up yesterday thanks to the tagster and followed Damo in on one. Good on you, Josh. And Matty T from Ingle Farm says, Hi, Tommy. What did Unflinching get into the run? Uh, that's from Matty T in Ingle I'll Farm. I'll have to have a look Australia. at that. All right. I'll have a look at that. Unflinching. Le- leave that with me. I'll see what I can do. All right, we'll check that after the break. And we'll also discuss cricket and all things sport on the Betfair Edge. Hope you're enjoying the program. If you want to text in, if you want to have your say on the man cat, if you wanted to lay that in the lay bin, we've also got our technique of the week as well. You can talk about the Michael Deesa catch and whether Australia can actually pull off a remarkable win or whether the South Africans can hold on. The Proteas has been going okay so far this morning. Good partnership at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like they'll hold on on that day five wicket. We'll take a break. Back with more after this. Sunday, Betfair Edge. Play your way on the Queensland Summer Racing Carnival with back and lay bets at betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. And we're getting closer and closer to the afternoon Eastern time here on this Sunday morning. And we're obviously going to talk cricket now because it's been brewing this discussion, I think, over the last 40 minutes. We're here thanks to Betfair. Find better odds on the Big Bash at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858 if you have any issues. Technique of the week to come as well. Tommy Haylock joins me direct from the Gold Coast. Tommy, just the situation on the Test match, whether there's been any fluctuation in the market now because there's a good partnership brewing between Simon Harmer and Kashav Maharaj. Uh, 37 off 72 at the moment, this partnership value. Given that we have to bowl South Africa out again in the second innings, is it now firming the draw as we speak? Yeah, when we first got the air, it was $1.22, $1.21. Uh, it is now into $1.10. The draw looks very, very likely. Interesting demo. It hit a high of $7.80. So we talk about technique of the week and trading. If you um, took the $7.80, you could lay off now and, and make money either way, irrespective of the result. And that's the beauty of betfair.com.au. But that's firm throughout the morning. Um, this partnership's been fantastic for South Africa. So it looks very tough and unlikely for Australia to get the victory. And, um, yeah, a lot of cricket to come throughout the summer. Obviously, the Big Bash demo and a lot of contentious issues. I've been really wrapped with the way the Big Bash is been in the media and been this summer. It's caught a lot of people's attention. Obviously, we've had high drama, some huge run chases, a team bowled out for 15, controversial catches, man cats. It's been in the uh, it's been in the news for sure. I've enjoyed it. I reckon Cricket Australia administrators would be licking their lips after the last week, wouldn't they, with joy? Because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Big Bash maybe on the downhill slide in regards to attention, but it got plenty of attention over the last week or so with those aforementioned issues that you referred to and I think the Nisa thing was an interesting one when he went over the line this is the thing though you could technically jump up and down and keep the ball up while your feet are off the ground until you could do it Forrest Gump style and go into the car park and then come (laughs) back and it'd still be a catch under that logic wouldn't it it's bizarre that was bizarre it's out no no question that is out it's the rule um whether the rule needs you're into the rule needs the rule Yeah, it's a bit odd. Uh, it looked funny, but I don't think what probably got lost is how brilliant that was by Nisa to do that and to think of that in the moment. Um, everyone talked about the the controversy and um, of the actual ruling, but that's to think of that rule and to know that and to execute in that split second, superb catch. 
I think it should be, would you make the rule where once your foot is implanted on the ground outside of the perimeter, outside the field of play, you can't really execute that where you put it back into the field of play and claim it as a catch? Yeah, yeah. You have to have your last touch when after you've been in play. Correct, yeah. And I think they've Something just got Something along to, those lines. They've yep. just got to uh, fix the wording on that. It's a bit like the underarm now that was somehow missing from the rules back in the World Series Cup of 1981. And uh, <laughs> as a result, it was taken advantage of by the Chapel brothers there. So that was an intriguing one. What are your thoughts on the man, Cad? That's going to be a debate. It's always going to be a debate, whether it's in the spirit of the game. What's your view on it? I, I used to dislike it, be strongly against the man, Cad, coming up and playing cricket. But... The batsmen are taking the um, Mickey now. It, they need there's too much in favour of the batsmen. They can't run halfway down the pitch and expect to not happen to them now. I've got no issue what's, with what Zampa did. I don't like that rule either. If he's out of his crease when like the follow on above execution of the ball and all that kind of the technicalities around that, just I, I respect Zampa for doing it. He gave him a warning. Um, <laughs> it's a bit funny one, but I yeah I think batsmen should stay in their crease. I'm actually with you, and I know a lot of people have disagreed with me over the last week, but I'm actually with you there because it's you know ostensibly similar to a stumping, is it not, at the other end? So why should you be out of your crease? It's a bit like it's been happening for a while. The Dean Jones, the late Dean Jones, used to go halfway down the crease, and I know he was a very quick runner between the wickets. but You, know, you can't run him out. You can run on anything if they're getting that much of an advantage. But, yeah, play by the rules, batsman. Too much in favour of the batsman at the moment. Um, the other one, and Dean Watling, as I said earlier in the program, tweeted about uh, Cummings and putting Cummings in the lay-bin for actually declaring with Kawaja on 195 not out. Where do you sit with that? You're laying or backing that decision? I'm actually being, backing being that Being controversial. Decision. I've been backing that decision. It's team first. You've got to give your team every opportunity to win the game. This has been a debate for a long, long time. You go back to Bill Laurie when he was captain of Australia and he declared when Rob Marsh was on 98. Uh, I think Michael Averton famously in the 1995 New Year's test declared when Graham Hick was on 98 and he left it far <laughs> too long. Graham Hick was perplexed by it but and the English supporters were as well, but they left it way too long. Graham Hick was taking his sweet old time to try and make his century and you know what happened in the end? Uh, it was a draw. They only needed three wickets towards the back end of the Australian tail, the English, to win the test match and probably would have won the Ashes series as well. And as a result, uh, because they took too long, allowing Graham Hick to try and get his century, they didn't have time to get those remaining three wickets. So team first in my view, Tommy. Just, uh, I don't know if you caught the result of the New Zealand-Pakistan test as oh. well that just went. That You can't get a closer test match. New Zealand needed one wicket and Pakistan needed 15 runs to win and it ended up in a draw as bad light stop play. Unbelievable test. You don't get, you're going into the last, two or three overs of a test match with all results still alive. That is a phenomenal test. That's probably in regards to being as tight as it gets, probably the tightest outside of a tie. We've only had two tied test matches, haven't we, in history? Yes. But then you've got all three results still in play with two or three overs to go. It is unbelievable. I know. Absolutely sensational. John has texted him. It will be interesting to see how the BBL goes now that most of the internationals are leaving due to other commitments this season. What are your thoughts and what's the market suggesting at the moment, given the Perth Scorchers are on top of the table? They won by seven wickets last night over the Brisbane Heat, and they won with a few overs to spare as well, chasing down that 171 total. Are the Scorchers the ones to beat on the market? 
they're flying. Yeah, Scorchers three dollars thirty, Sydney Thunder five dollars thirty, Sixers five dollars thirty, Hurricanes eight sixty, Adelaide Strikers nine dollars. Very good point there. But the beauty of it, and something I love, is the Australian cricketers are coming back to play. You yes. see with the Strikers, Chris Lynn's going away, um, Rashid Khan's going, but they get Travis Head and uh, Alex Carey back. So the addition of the Australian players is going to inject something back into the tournament when we lose these internationals. Time for the Technique of the Week segment. What's your Technique of the Week? And you can be as open to interpretation as you like here. I just want to talk about the Australian Open and the trading. Um, obviously, we've got the overall winner's market still in play. And you find in the men's and women's, if Djokovic goes down two sets to love, he's going to drift considerably in the winner's market overall. And you can make money this way. So you trade on the overall winner's market in the men's or women's. If they're down, if they're down a break point, they'll drift, and you can just trade a little bit throughout the tournament and make some money that way. So Djokovic goes in as $2.12 favourite. Medvedev, $7.40. We see Alcaraz uh, withdrawn. Nadal looking to make it back-to-back, $17. And uh, that's my technique. It's just following the overall winner's market throughout the tennis. And if you're watching a game, just start trading and looking at the futures. I'll ask you about the women's market very shortly in the singles because that's quite unpredictable, as we know, and it's been unpredictable for the last probably five years. My technique of the week, though, the reverse rain dance. Sydney people need to learn it because surely that's a way to try and stop the rain at this time of year (laughs) affecting all the sporting events. So try and find a technique, Sydney people, at a reverse rain dance. Not often we say that in this country where we've had droughts and uh, various things. True. Yeah. We want our sporting events to go ahead too. <laughs> that is very true. Come on, guys. Um, women's Australian Open winner, Svitek, uh, $3.20, clear favourite. Um, she's actually drifted a little bit, uh, Svitek. She was shorter than that, um, I reckon. Yeah, she got down as low as $2.60 at some point. So she's $3.20. Sabalenka, $11.50. Garcia, $14.50. And Ons Jabur, um, ace preview. Steve Quick likes Ons Jabur at $17. Probably be different side of the draw as Svitek. So it might be a trading opportunity there. Take the 17s and you can lay off various stages throughout the tournament. And the partnership between Maharaj and also Harma still going at the moment. South Africa, seven for 206. Tommy, appreciate your time this morning, mate. Uh, it's been a pleasure working with you for the first time in a little while. Yeah, absolute pleasure, mate. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Hopefully it's uh, not too long between drinks. All righty. Hope you enjoy your Sunday. The boys are on very shortly for trackside. Cam and Tags are in the house. Stay tuned for that. Take care. Have a good Sunday. <laughs>